This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Booksplode, Pluto, Urzawa X Tezuka, Volume 1. Fanboy Books Explode. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Lanigan. Hi. 
And this is the Booksplode Show, where we talk about a graphic novel, a trade paperback, a collected edition, and it was unlocked by the patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. This month, is a bi-monthly show, every other month, this month, a much shorter read than the last Booksplode, which was, Josh, if you recall... I'm, I'm literally going, I don't remember what it is. Jack Kirby. Oh, oh, yes. This was a much shorter read than that. <laughs> yeah. I did this one in two sessions, and I did that one over a period of 12 months. Right. This is <laughs> this is Pluto. <laughs> Pluto, Urasawa X Tezuka, Volume 1. That's how it's released in the United States. This is the first volume of the much-heralded Pluto series. I believe it's an eight-volume series, Josh. Is that correct? Nine. Nine-volume series. I think. I mean, go, but I'll... I'll... I'm going by the what I've got listed here is eight volumes. That might be right. I have not. Uh, we'll get, I have read all of these except for the last one, which I bought many years ago. And the reason that that has nothing to do with whether I liked it or not. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, gets away from you sometimes. This is a manga series that was released in Japan from 2004 to 2009, and in the United States, 2009 to 2010. As mm-hmm. I said, it's an eight volume series. I read it in two sessions, but I could have read it in one. Oh yeah! At one point, I actually stopped on purpose because I was like, "All right, we just because otherwise I'm going to be here for another thir- you know twenty thirty minutes, and I have to go." But I wanted to keep reading. I was so tired. Yeah, that was the thing. Was I just I read it before bed, and I was like, "I I, can't, I, I need to pay attention," and I went to sleep. And the next night, I, I read through it pretty fast. But uh, this is uh, written by Naoki Urasawa and Takashi Nagasaki, illustrated by Naoki Urasawa. And just to baseline this, we are not. Manga experts. These are big names in manga, but I couldn't tell you why. I could because I read some of the stuff about them, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to try to explain that. You can all do that on your own. But this, so this was a big deal it. when it was announced because these are these are big names in manga, and plus this was a reimagining of Astro Boy, the classic ser- yeah. the classic manga series from Tezuka. So this was a big deal when it came out that these two giants in manga were reimagining one of the one of the all time you know most famous manga series. He's there, Jack Kirby. Right. So I've been wanting to read this for years. It was it's been on my list of things to read. And did we give a spoiler warning? I don't know. It's so hot. In, in, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, let's go for. The, there's definitely a spoiler warning when I talk about. But at the same time, we're only going to talk about this book. I won't spoil anything that comes after it. Well, good because I haven't read it. Right, exactly. So, so your spoiler warning really only applies to volume one. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like this thing is chock full of surprises. It's world building. So I don't think we can ruin it for you. I'm going to compare this book to Unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it makes sense when I do that. <laughs> one thing I was very pleased to find, and this is such the cliche American thing, I didn't have the manga headache that I was afraid I'd have, which yeah. I had... When I read Project X Challengers way back, however many years ago that was, all those those books, Cup Noodle and the Dotson one, it just my you know you're reading it backwards, your brain wants to go left to right, the the pages and the text and the word balloons and the panels go right, right to left. And in the the first time, a couple times I ever read manga, my, I had got a headache from reading it, but I didn't have it the problem this time. To that end, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, this book is chock full of left-hand panel stacking, but it's not a problem at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was like every page. The story of Pluto is that, you know, you're in a world where, and it's a very international story. It's, you know, a lot of, almost all the manga I've read is, takes place in Japan, but this takes place in like Sweden and Scotland and there's a bit in Tokyo. You're in a world where the robots are commonplace in society and there are like eight great robots in the world for various reasons they're the, they're, they're the great robots of the world and someone is killing them it's, it's got a very watchman feel to it 
It does. I actually noticed that a little bit at one point. So I, I read this, God, it was a long time ago. Like I might've still been in New York. So that's like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And I had started it. And it's interesting is that the only thing I knew about it was that a lot of people seemed to like it. Right. Almost so that when I went in, I thought it was maybe a little overcooked in terms of how great everyone thought it was. Mm-hmm. But now in retrospect, I'm a better reader now. I keep saying this is funny because I, I feel like I've been reading comics for a really long time and you know critically for a very long time too. And I can come back to stuff now and I'm just like, how did I not notice how great this was? Mm-hmm. And so coming back to that, I just... I guess some amazing cartooning in here. There's amazing cartooning and there's some really amazing use of the medium... Yes. This might sound silly to some, but I was really impressed with the sound effects. Yeah. Which I thought were very evocative of real sound. There's one point in the middle where the main character, his name is... Uh, Gesek. Gesek. I don't know how to pronounce Gesek. it. I kept calling him Gestalt in my head. Um, that's probably not right. Where he's running. He's, he's sort of running through like a, a deserted, like, I don't know, building. And mm-hmm. the clack, clack, clack of his feet was just so evocative of that sound of hard-soled shoes running against like concrete and it echoes it was just that sequence where it's just clack 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 as he runs i just was immediately brought into the sense memory of that sound i found that a couple times where the sound effects were really quite credible yeah that's true there's a really good really good use of that stuff i mean you had mentioned the sort of reading the left to right Mm -hmm. it was fairly effortless with this i mean really the storytelling is so strong the way that it moves you through the page i mean like it is high-end quality comic book storytelling and that's just to start with after that you've got you know i think people have an idea about what manga is going to look like in terms of character design and in terms of sort of what you're looking like and it i don't think this is that thing i mean it's is elements of it but it's surprising this could be you know i i wouldn't look at this and immediately like this is a japanese comic well the thing is manga manga just means comics in japanese right yeah no totally so there's a style that just like the american american comics have a style western comics have a style Mm -hmm. you know there's they may not all look exactly alike but they they have a style to them and so a lot of manga has a style, but it doesn't mean every manga looks that way. And this yeah, is, no, and, and this, I think this style it, could have been, and this could have been any book you're reading yeah. any Wednesday. This is first of all, this book looks terrific. I, I don't yeah. think we haven't really hit that point home yet. We're talking about the art. I was so impressed by the art, the character design yep. of the humans. Like you can tell all of the people apart. There's you know all sorts of different types of humans, and then you get into the character designs of the robots, yeah. you know, and and that's fantastic. some of those robots broke my heart. The little sad lady, the robot. wife of the robot, the yes. right, wife of the cop robot, who she kind of looks like uh, the robot from the Jetsons. Yeah, she has no facial expression. She's not a humanoid robot. Some of these robots look like humans, and she doesn't. And but her unmoving, unhumanized face was so heartbreaking as he told, yeah. had to tell her that her husband had been murdered. Same thing with North Number Two. You know, like he has no facial expressions. He, you know, but his posture, the way that, you know, the way that he he has that dead look in his eyes, you know, and and the way that he's speaking, like you're, I don't know how, but you can hear these people speaking. It's funny. I thought North Number Two was a woman until about halfway through that segment. Uh, I just, I I don't know why, I just did. Or a female robot, but yeah, not a woman. In addition to Watchmen, there's a very heavy Blade Runner vibe Uh, through this in which. You know, you meet this investigator, Gestalt, <laughs> and... I'm going to go with Gessick. Gessick. And he's investigating the murder of this famous robot, one of those famous robots in the world, Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc. Uh, he's a Swedish robot, and uh, someone has killed him, or he's died, and they're trying to, he's like an Interpol investigator. And But he looks human. He is 
for all intents and purposes, human, and then you're, you finally re- it's revealed he is a robot too. So that's sort of the Blade Runner esque, you know, portion of this, where it's this like a replicant style robot in a world full of different kinds of robots. So there's a lot of influences here. None of it is aping. No, and it has the foreboding murder mystery sense of Watchmen. Of like a world at an inflection point that Watchmen is sort of. Mm-hmm. Things might be changing in this world and we're watching the reasons why. I, I, it's really good. I thought the tone of this was terrific. What did you expect? I didn't like, know what to expect. I mean, I knew, you know, I knew... Did you know it was about robots or... I think I did. I knew the Astro Boy thing. I don't really know Astro Boy in mm-hmm. and of itself. But I didn't really know hardly anything. I basically walked into it mostly blind. I'll tell you one yeah. thing that I love and always have. Um, I don't... I don't read a lot of science fiction that would back this up, but I, I, I'm always fascinated by the robot rules, the Asimov ro- robot rules, and the, and how just across fiction, many, many authors decide to just use that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the robot, I think there's three or five. The basic point is that, you know, like a robot cannot hurt a human. Right. You know? And, and that, is, that is a rule in this that the robots all keep saying. Now, that's Chekhov's gun situation. <laughs> you know, there's going to be, and then there's, there's in this there's one robot who has hurt a human and he's got a whole joker vibe another great design you know yep. he's a pile of broken parts that's kind of held down and he's got uh, joker he's, he's or, been like uh, stabbed through his chest and so yeah, if, like if, a hannibal lecter kind of yeah. thing in the in the in the cage but also sort of dangerous because of the way that he speaks very hannibal lecter give me your memory chip the other thing that i think when we were talking about the art is that um anytime there's uh a, like a um a scenic shot, mm-hmm. you know, like a like an overview of the castle or yeah. field or the city. Like they are all. We've been talking about um, that, like with Liam Sharp in the Green Lantern ones, where he'll draw like the city spacecape or whatever. And those are these are all right up there with that. That's sort of or the inside of uh, the house. Great use of gray tones and grayscale. Yeah, it's not in it's not in color. Other than there's always every book has a little bit at the beginning. That's the first in color. couple of pages, and I wonder why. I don't know. They're all like that, and I don't know if it was originally published like that or not. I actually like it better in black and white. Yeah, I, I mean, it really it's more evocative in black and white. It feels like a noir. Yeah, and it, it's just it's just done so well in that way that you don't need anything else. Like it's got depth. I don't know, man. It's the kind of cartooning that at times you realize how dense and detailed it is, mm-hmm. and at other times you realize like, wow, there's actually not a lot there, but they're accomplishing a lot with it. Yeah, I get now. I must have understood this, but I, I think I understood this really good before, but I don't know that I was enjoying it as much as I did this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it really is one of those things you're like, oh, this is it. every time I turn a page and look at it, all the things on that page are perfect. Right. You know? All the lines need to be there. Yeah. Now, does it make you want to read the final chapter? It does, but it doesn't make me want to read everything in the way <laughs> to get there. I mean, it does. I do want to read it. It would take you about I, a week. Probably. Probably. But here's the thing. I, you got to read about ships, big mass ships. Yeah, I have a lot of <laughs> have a lot of books here. You got to read about it, submarines. It turns out that I'm always reading comics, right? And so you only get like three days to read for yourself. Yes, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. I'm reading Hamilton right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be forty. <laughs> I was about to make a joke about being forty five when I finish, but that's not so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be in my sixties when I finish reading that. I've been reading uh, Chernow's Washington book for most of my adult life. We're not going to talk about these books right now. We'll save for the media split. So here's how it's, I found this like like unstoppable. Which if you listen to our most recent media split, you'll understand why I'm, I'm talking about it. It moved at like a breakneck pace through mm-hmm. the whole story, and then all of a sudden it just ends. Now I realize this is not like a self-contained story, and it's chapter one basically of eight, and so it's like it's almost supposed to be like a cliffhanger. But I felt like 
the ending wasn't so much like a cliffhanger as it was like confounding, you know, gestalt, gestalt, what is it? Gessick. Gessick. Let's call him Harrison Ford. He goes to Tokyo. he's German, and if you were German, you would probably be yeah, like, it's he's German. Like, it's not hard. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he goes to... Someone's going to tell us. He so. goes to... Is it, he's in Tokyo, right? Yeah. And the soccer ball bounces past him, and a bunch of kids run past him, and then there's like a kid kicking rocks. Look at the cartooning on that rain, by the way. Oh, it's beautiful. And then a kid I, picks up a snail in the rain, and Gasek says, you're Adam, aren't you? And the kid says, that's right, and that's the end. I don't know the impact of that. I assume this is the Astro Boy part of it, but not knowing that, I don't have any context for why that's a major... That's who that character is. And I think if you are, you know, a Japanese comic reader or you know what that means, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that was a a big oh wow moment. Right. And that's just not me having the context. That was the only thing that kept me from being like, this is a five-star book, only because I was like, oh, well, that's an ending. He's the other character, but it's just a chapter ending. I mean, it's, you know. I'm not knocking. Well, I'm not. I am a little bit knocking it, but not, well, not really. I complain about that in, you know, mainstream comics all the time is that, like, the final page reveal is something that doesn't mean anything to me. Right. So you're right. It doesn't have that impact if you don't know what it is. So it relies on the reader to sort of be able to interpret it. But I do think that in this case, you know, that would be like a page turn and not know who Superman was. Sure. You know, like. I'm only knocking it in terms of I wanted to love it all the way to the last page and I loved it all the way to like the second to last page mm. and I did not love the second to last page I just didn't know what it meant so that's all that's just my own failing and I'll when I pick up the second volume I'll have more context so hopefully yeah yeah I, I mean it is worth it as as a thing I and I really like that I could come because I you know like I think back when I read it and I, you know I liked it I didn't love it but this time reading through, I don't know. It really, it really just connected me. It's a, it's a fast read. It's not a thing, but it's a very fast read. And but it doesn't feel like that was it. Like it's a very meaty, fast read. You know, you're yeah. getting a lot of story here. Because like he starts off investigating the murder of Mont Blanc, and then or the death of Mont Blanc, and they think maybe it's a natural disaster, but he's not so sure. And then it leads him to another death of a robot with similar clues, and he's sort of on his own. And it, it leads us all around. And then actually, the most intriguing part was. The North number two, it's sort of like the side bit. You know, it's almost like the Jeremy Irons parts of Watchmen. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we go to Scotland and spend a good chunk of the book mm-hmm. with these two characters, North number two and his, you know, quote unquote master, his human that he keeps charge of. And they were fascinating and their relationship was fascinating and their whole arc was incredible. I didn't mind it. At first I was like, well, so we're just going to, I mean, because I'm holding the book right now, looking at the pages. We're mm-hmm. looking at like almost half the book you sort of leave and go off on the side story, which is not necessarily a side story, but doesn't involve the other characters we've been previously. And I loved that bit. I just thought it was terrific. Their growing relationship was great. In it. it was, and it does give you a lot of clues on sort of what came before mm-hmm. and what's going on. I mean, basically what we're seeing here is sort of the burgeoning of AI. Right. You know, and these robots who were, you know, built as tools and a lot of them were used in the wars. I think, what did they call it? The 39th? Uh, whatever yeah. war that was so like that gives you an idea just by that name how many wars have been yeah yeah it, you know like what's happened and then you know that the robots afterwards like they have regret you know we don't know anything about Gessick really right I do but right. you know there's gonna be a lot more there in history he's definitely got that brooding melancholy thing you know that, that shows and you're like well there's something else going on here beneath the surface and North number two he's got that weird thing where like he won't answer the question about how many robots he destroyed or right. killed like so killed, yeah. he's carrying that around with him and then so that sets the tone for the whole thing I, you know it's you know it's really interesting is that Montblanc you never meet him 
He's not in the book. You see him in flash, not flashbacks. Yeah. But you see him in like other like commercials and tributes and stuff. But by like the time they're talking about him, you hear all the people you know uh, describe him. You know, it, it's like man, I wish I'd met him. You know, like it's one of those characters. Like that's a really cool character, and we never even met that character. Then you get to the end, and you have the wrestling guy who looks like the most manga out of all of these. You know, like he's driving the yellow line and Voltron. You know, and he's making bad decisions. And you're like, don't do that. You're so happy. (laughs) Mont Blanc is like the anti-comedian. Yes. You know, you he dies in the very beginning. You only meet him through flashbacks. He's Hollis Mason. (laughs) So Mont Blanc's like 15 feet tall, and he wears overalls, which I love. He just seemed like a cool robot tech. What I think about this book is that it's a great intro for people who maybe are apprehensive about reading manga. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a Western comics reader who's never read manga before and don't, you know, are sort of not nervous, but you don't know what, what you're in for. Mm-hmm. It's just comics. Just, it's just the opposite direction. I think Pluto's a very familiar story for people. I think you'll really like it. It's really easy to read compared to a lot of sort of standard American comics. True. You know, like it's, it's easy to read because it's, it's better done. You know, and I was thinking about this when I was reading it and what it is that makes me, reluctance not the word, but I'm going to use it, reluctant to sort of get into manga. And it's more that just like it's a whole other thing that starts you down a road. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I gave it time, I would like jazz and it would be very satisfied by it, but I just I can't be bothered. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to learn everything. I don't want to have to sort of like, because like now, American comics, we know them pretty well. Like, you can look at something and be like, that's good, that's not good. I have to start all over and that scares me, I think. I mean, I think yes and no. I mean, it's basically, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It's just, yes. it's it's comics, comics are comics are comics. It's just, these are backwards, the ones in, in France are in French, and then, you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, the rules are the same. It's maybe the cultural touchstones are different, like for me not knowing Astro Boy. But at the end of the day, it's just a comic book. It's and just that's words actually something that should, that should make it interesting for me. Right. I, you know, like I, 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 what I'm saying to you doesn't really make sense. It's just my excuse of I, I don't have time to add another thing in. So that's my sort of arm's length thing with it. But basically, like, uh, you know, if somebody says, oh, you should read this book, it's great. In American comics, I have context for that. Right. I don't know if I'm going to go down a road I like or not in manga, but that's not a good... You know, I know that after this, there's 21st Century Boys and yeah. Monsters, the other one, yeah. by the same author. And I'm sure those are great, too. One of those has got a huge, like, that's a lot of books. And I've read um, I've read Lone Wolf and Cub mm-hmm. in its entirety, and I fucking loved that. I mean, I was... I was Have you ever read you know, Akira? I don't think I finished it. I think I've read the first or second. I didn't love that. I didn't love the movie, and I didn't love the comics. I read a little bit of it when I was, like, in my early teens, mm-hmm. and... I don't remember. Was the American printing flipped for American audiences? I feel like it might have been. I don't remember reading backwards when I was like 12. I think I would remember that. I feel like that's the thing that would have happened then. But I, I do totally remember like hearing about the movie and then finally watching it and being very lost. Right. I don't know. It did not connect with me at all. And I watched it a couple of times as I wanted to. It looks cool as shit. Like the <laughs> iconography of that is great. Right. But it didn't connect very much. I'm just looking through this as you talk and there's just some great haunting I'm looking at the image of Mont Blanc with the horns or antlers or whatever they are. That page, it's like a very shaded. And, mm-hmm. You know, he's a robot, but it's a haunting image. It looks like a skull, you know, the cop's wife. And, and then Sag, number, North number two. I, like, I'm fairly certain that Japanese comics weren't all that influential over American comics developing. But I'm wondering if it works the other way, too. Like, people doing this, like, are they familiar with... You they, know, they develop in a vacuum? Yeah, and if they do not maybe not a full vacuum but you know like basically you've got two art forms you know developing at the same time Mm -hmm. 
and 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 you know they share things, but they, there's other bits that they don't share. I find that really interesting. That's that's kind of fascinating. So like, I was looking here and like the page turn, and there's a big you know when they, when we first meet, I don't remember the bat evil robot's name, but the pile of sort of robot oh, yeah. parts. It's a gr- brow one five eight nine. You know, it's a great page turn. You yeah. know, and it's just this lump on the ground, and he's sideways, and the drawing tells you every single thing that you need to know. That's an American. You know, sort of thing. So, did that develop in a vacuum? Do they have that too, or were they reading Kirby? Or, or was Kirby? I mean, I can't imagine Kirby was reading like Astro Boy because he would have started in the '30s. But I just, I just wonder about it as I'm reading it. Like, how much, how much language is shared, and how much was just developed? You know, in parallel. It'd be interesting to see uh, to hear from someone who's an expert. Yeah, I'm sure somebody knows this answer. My last observation is I love the design of North Number Two because the head is so like pop robot-y you know he looks mm-hmm. he looks like he's got that what i'm sure is a bright red triangle yeah. on his head and he's you know round sort of ears and but a human mouth looks like he's wearing a helmet and but then he's got like this victorian cape on it's yeah. just such a st- stark difference in the way he looks it's, I, it's a it makes him design. look like a like a, a you know a friar or or something yeah. like that it, it makes him look you know pious i will say if i was to generalize about anything japanese comics do motion better than any yep. american comics it's just i don't know why it is i'm not sure but man they can they can do motion and when those action scenes get going you know they're flying yeah and it's 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 really impressive so i'll just say you know again if you're someone who's never read manga first of all thanks for listening to this having never read manga and also if you're somebody who's read a lot of manga we're sorry, sorry. yeah check out pluto volume one it's a terrific use of the art form and it reads really well and you're going to find a lot of things that are very familiar and therefore comfortable yeah you know the tones are very watchman there's a very there's a heavy dash of blade runner in here and um it's it's really terrific and i'm definitely going to be eventually reading the rest of the series whenever i finish yeah. and if you know if you've come up over the years reading comics along with us you know and, and sort of come to appreciate some of the same kind of stuff that we do i think you'll get a lot out of this yeah Let's do ratings on Pluto, Urasawa X Tezuka, Volume 1. I'm going to go 4.5. I wanted to go 5, but like I said, I just I have to be authentic to my experience of reading it. and the, 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 I was so bewildered by the final bit that I had to... Are you speaking about. to your truth? I just, I don't want to lie. Like I don't, yeah. I, it's, it's a five-star book until the end for me, but that's just me. It's, full, it's a 4.5 volume. I'll go four and a half. I mean, it's not on its own. It does not. It it's not self-contained. It's mm-hmm. the beginning of something. So therefore, it does leave something to be desired. But on a on a craft level, if I was just rating that, that's yeah. five. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm rating it as the story of part one of a eight part series. So yeah. Yep. So that's Pluto, or so X Tuzuka Volume One. You can talk about that at fanboy.com. There'll be a post for that sh- the show. You can also listen to our weekly comics podcast, the Pick of the Week show, also at fanboy.com. And our sister showed this one, the Talksplode, in which Josh, you should interview Urasawa and Tezuka. Are they still alive? No idea. No, uh, the artist definitely isn't. Yeah. I think. Yeah, no. Josh interviews comic creators, so that's where you can find that show at ifanboy.com. All of our shows are there. And again, this was unlocked by the patrons or at patreon.com slash ifanboy. There are more shows to unlock if you go check it out. Our next stretch goal is a G.I. Joe show, if you want to hear that. We don't have any time to make it, but we'll, we'll do it if we are called upon to do so. So... Uh, until two months from now, we don't know what we're going to be doing. Although I have a nomination, which I'll talk to you about, Josh, off the show. But don't uh, give me another assignment quite yet. So, <laughs> until then, I am Connor, and I did a whole book that didn't have Dave Lincoln in it, and I'm a little bummed. But I'm Josh. <laughs> <laughs>